and welcome to the Valley and Central Podcast. This time with just Ronnie and Martin. What's up, Ronnie? What's up? What's up? It's like ever since I joined the podcast, there's been like multiple episodes regularly. <laughs> well, uh, everyone's bored at home doing nothing, so. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that could be it too. Yes. Well, kind of. Uh, Travis is too busy to join us. He's forgiven. He's working. Dewan is too busy at the club, even yeah, though he should not be in public gatherings at the moment. Yeah, he's probably drunk in a gutter somewhere. <laughs> so we are uh, we're doing another special edition beep, 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 episode of the podcast uh, because we had some things pop up today that we wanted to discuss. Mm-hmm. So this morning, uh, Fred, well, Valley put out a, a letter from Fred. I'm sure everyone's read it by now, right? You read it. And uh, so that was interesting. I had a couple conversations regarding that letter. Um, and then this afternoon, there was an article on Comics Beat uh, about uh, – it was an interview with uh, Fred and Matt Klein and uh, talking kind of about what the deal is to to expand a little bit more on the whole situation. So uh, we could probably get some, some talking points out of the questions that were asked in this interview. Um but I'm curious because I'm sure you read the the letter from Fred early on. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm curious to hear some thoughts on that initial letter. Um, as you well know, like Fred's amazing anyway, and I thought he brought up some good points about you know working with Marvel when 9/11 happened and and how this is is like that, but not exactly like that, and they're able to bounce back and you know i thought it it was a good letter of reassurance for everything i think yes i agree um i think the wording was very uh very spot on uh a little marketing but that's to be expected right uh, it, it was a uh, what's the uh, what's the word that i want to use it was very hygienic right very mm-hmm. sanitized uh, yeah. and I, and i think that's okay um i had a, a couple conversations with a few folks uh, off the record, uh, not Valiant folks, by the way, before anybody asks. And uh, I think the the general consensus is that the letter was good, but that this is something that we should have seen be put out last week. Correct. Not yeah. Today. Um, yeah. Now, when everybody the, was freak, when, when everybody, everybody was freaking, freaking out. out. Right. Yeah. When the day that we recorded our previous episode. Correct. So, so I think that's a general consensus, and uh, I think that's. I think it's a fair judgment, right? And I'm not saying that, like, obviously we don't think Valiant owes us anything uh, personally as being part of the podcast or just simply being Valiant fans, right? Uh, I think we always make that clear when we talk about any of these issues, uh, that this is a company that is out to make money, right? Uh, And we don't feel like we're entitled to anything. But it, it does seem like there was enough of a fallout early on from the news that had this come out that same day, or before creators started tweeting certain things, uh, that uh, that this wouldn't have been an issue, right? We wouldn't have right. done the previous podcast. We wouldn't be doing this episode, probably. Right. Agreed. It it seemed like, and I know it wasn't intentional, but this seemed like the fallout follow up of what could have been prevented. Yes. Now, granted, we did kind of predict the future. Um, I think I said something to the effect of like, well, maybe now that Valiant has said this, other people are going to follow suit. And so, of right. course, the day that we put out our previous episode, uh, Diamond announces that they're going to be putting on hold all shipments of books. Uh, so it's going to be at least six weeks, no new comics. And uh, I think that should be part of our discussion overall in, on this topic. Uh, but I want to do. I wanted to start off Valiant specific because this is, of course, a Valiant podcast. So I think that makes makes a lot of sense. Um, but it seems like, you know, not only could putting this letter out earlier on have avoided some of this stuff, but like, if, if this is a decision that was made, it seems to me like somebody must've known that Diamond was going to make this announcement, right? Yeah. So why not just make for the, wait for the announcement? Right. And I think, um, yeah, it's almost like for once, Valiant was ahead of the curve, whether, they were actually or not, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, 
or if they knew that the announcement was coming and went ahead and, you know, it got leaked out by creators or whatever. Mm-hmm. But, uh, and it totally, it all makes sense to me, really. Like the whole, the whole thing makes sense. Right. As much as it sucks, I mean, it sucks for everybody, you, me, everybody, but it totally makes sense of why Diamond's shutting down, even though, you know, we have pros and cons about Diamond themselves, mm-hmm. and then um, why Valiant shut down, pencils down, why Marvel and everybody else followed suit after that, mm-hmm. so. Yeah, I mean, it sucks, right? No comics for at least a month and a half. Uh, I mean, publishers are working on July solicits now. I mean, I guess those solicits don't need to be worked on. I don't know. It seems like whatever books were supposed to come out in April will probably get pushed back to July anyway. Right. May at the earliest, I would say. May at the earliest. Uh, well, I mean, unless you follow the president, then Easter time, we're going to get all the comics. <laughs> well, yeah, but... <laughs> Let's be uh, realistic on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be realistic, yes. Uh, so, I mean, that kind of sucks, right? And that sparked uh, a whole lot of commentary uh, about people supporting their local shops and this, that, and mm-hmm. the other. Uh, this is part of the interview uh, that was done for The Beat. Uh, who did Oh, Heidi did it. Okay, so the editor-in-chief. Yeah. So let's uh, let's kind of walk through this interview a little bit. Um, I think overall it seems pretty positive. I think having both Fred and Matt on this interview is smart um, because you're kind of hitting two sides of the company, right? Yeah. And yep. and probably the sides that fans will be most worried about. Yeah. Right. Because you you yep. need to know what's going on with the comics. Are they being published? What's the scheduling like? How does this affect shops? Yep. Right. That, that's what everybody wants to know. Uh, yep. I, I do have an issue with the still. And I, again, I'm glad this is coming out, and I hate to be nitpicky, uh, but I would have loved to see like Robert on this as well, um, and I would have loved to see some discussion on creators. Now, there is mention of the impact of creators, uh, but the main focus of the piece this morning and the piece on the beat is on fans and comic shops. Yeah, and staff employees, right? Correct, uh, which is all things that we talked about the last episode we did. Right, the company's focus is on making sure that the staff is taken care of. Mm. Okay, can't can't fault yep. them for that. Right. But, I, but again, I wonder. Every article that I see, I don't see anybody talking about how this impacts any creator. Right. Okay. Uh, yep. Again, I understand that they're freelancers, but like, how how are the comics going to be made if there's no creators to make them? Right. And and like the question that I proposed at the end of last issue or episode right mm-hmm. is you know it's pencils down it's unprecedented time but how it got done will the creators be ticked off to not come back or have a bad taste in their mouth or will it be business as usual yes because because you want your employer even if you're freelance or not you want that person that is giving you financial stability to have your back no matter what right and and obviously this would affect valiant more than say a marvel or dc uh or even image right right uh because regardless marvel and dc are still top dogs so you're not going to want to piss those guys off right because you can always try to go work over there Mm -hmm. uh with image like you're doing a creator own so either way it's on you uh but I'm, i'm curious how this affects, and I don't. I don't know if you followed if, if AfterShock's talking at all about this. Uh, I haven't yes, had much um, time. Actually, AfterShock has just pushed their books that are coming out in April out a month. Okay. But they, as far as I know, creators are still working on things. Okay. Yeah. The uh, I think the the payment structure at AfterShock is is different than uh, than Valiant. Um, yeah. So I can I can understand that. Wait, uh, which. It brings me to the point, I mean, the comics are still going to come out, whether it's a two-month delay or, you know, until Easter delay. So, and everything, and I know we've talked about this before, but, like, what does it matter if creators are working and completing those things because everything's pretty much done via email or Google Hangout or whatever? Mm-hmm remotely anyway 
except for like Fred's side of where it actually goes to the printer. Right. Well, and he did say that there are things already printed, right? Um, yeah. I think he said the stuff for the next three weeks is already printed, so it'll either be at the printer or it'll be shipped to Diamond and Diamond will hold them until it's ready to be released. Um, but, I mean, that's only the next three weeks of comics. Right. That's what I'm saying. It's like if the creators, both sides, the writer and artist, still worked on their things throughout this and how they got simple, supplemented payment or you know whatever their contract says then boom all their stuff's already done and in the can Mm -hmm. and so then all then it would just be going to the printer whenever that adjusted schedule comes back right and i think as much as both of these pieces clarify kind of the plan uh, as much a plan as they can have right because as is mentioned here things change like day to day hour by hour uh, depending on what's going on in the world. Right, um, but right. even through that, and I think this is something that Dewan brought up in the last episode, uh, he mentioned how he thought Valiant was doing books a year ahead of time. Mm-hmm, uh, and mm-hmm. I think even in this piece, there's some mention of like things being done, like the next three weeks are done. There's a mention of like, well, we have like this book up to like a certain issue. So that's like, you know, three or four months ahead of time. And then at one point, there's something on there like books being finished a year ahead of time. Um, right. And I think I think that goes a little bit to maybe a – I don't know if it's a lack of communication. That's probably the wrong word. Uh, but like I'm kind of confused as to which one it is. Yeah. Right? right. And I hadn't right. thought of it until Dewan brought it up last time. Uh, but I was trying to look for that message here, uh, and I don't think that's very clear. Right? Because if, if work is done you know, a, a year ahead of time – Right. Let's say the the books aren't printed, right? I get that. But right, let's say like right. the script and pencils done a year ahead of time. Well, like, all right, that's probably not that big a deal, right? Because um, that's still a lot to creators, the time they need to find work, right? Yep. And they would yep. be paid for that work regardless. Uh, yep. And then we know that once Diamond's putting books out again, that we will get the Valiant Comics we want. Uh, so I would I would like some clarification on that, and and maybe Ronnie will will make that part of our reach out. Yeah, uh, yeah. Because we uh, we're gonna try to get some clarification on a couple things uh, from Valiant. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if they're gonna reply in written form uh, or like record something. I don't care either way. But uh, I, I would like some clarification on that. And I know Greg listens, so uh, he'll uh, he'll have <laughs> he'll have those notes. Poor guy. <laughs> yeah. By the way. And cr- and, yeah, yeah, I was gonna say. Yeah, you were gonna say. So you're you're a great uh, you're a great wingman. Uh, congratulations yeah. to Greg Katzman. Uh, they just and him and his wife just announced that they're having a baby in November. So congratulations to both of you. That's uh, that's very exciting. Yeah, and let's not name the baby Karina or anything <laughs> to do with, you know. I don't know. I think Martin Katzman has a pretty good ring to it. <laughs> if it's a girl, Martina Katzman, I, I'm good with that. <laughs> <laughs> Ronnie Katzman? I don't know. That's kind of weird. Nah, I, I wouldn't would give work. anybody that name for sure. <laughs> anyway, so congratulations to Greg. He, he's he's the best. It could uh, be KT though. Hey, there you go. See? Yep, I like or, it. Or or what? Winfred? I think that was Wiggins' <laughs> first name. Yeah, Wilfred Wiggins. Yep. Wilfred Wiggins Katzman. Anyways, congratulations <laughs> to Greg. Uh, Greg and I are always talking comics. Uh, like we've been talking Moon Knight and then now Red Sun. I started watching Red Sun last night because you and him were talking about it, mm-hmm. and and I fell asleep. So he messaged me this morning. He's like, "What'd you think?" And I was like, "Dude, I fell asleep like halfway through it. Uh, not because it was bad. I was just tired. Uh, so I, I'm I'm gonna watch it tonight before I do my Bloodshot rewatch and then go to bed. Um, anyways, that that's off on a different tangent." Yeah, um, but right. but yes. like so back before, like to circle back, I saw a couple of tweets that kind of puts us in perspective as well. Um, the going forward or moving forward, even though comics aren't getting published, mm-hmm. like one was from Terry Moore, right? Mm-hmm. And he, even though his prints aren't getting, they're meeting their release dates, he's able to um, send them onto Comicsology. Right. Earlier. Yeah. And then um, I saw a tweet from Eric Larson Mm -hmm. who despises digital. Mm -hmm. And so uh, he's going to keep writing and drawing 
Savage Dragon, but not put them out until actual physical books are able to come out. Yeah, so I think that's uh, – I'm glad you brought those up because I saw those as well. Um, I think I think Terry's got the fortune of being his own boss, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and so he can do whatever he wants. And kind of Eric too, to well, to a point, because to it's, a, to he's a point. Image. Yeah, yeah, but 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 Image is publishing those books. Right? Yeah. So well, I, I it don't just know. so happens he's still on the board of Image, though, right? Yeah, isn't he president? I think he's the president <laughs> of Image. Yeah, yeah. Um, so a little bit different, you know what I mean? I I know shops buy Terry Moore's comics to to sell, mm-hmm. uh, but Terry Moore like also has his own like very rabid fan base, right? right. Um, he does very well selling directly to his his fans, um, yeah. and so he can do like, hey, I, I, matter of fact, I saw a couple tweets uh, to Terry asking if he would be shipping physical copies of the books. Um, I don't think I don't I don't think that's something he would do just because of the fact that because they're not being sent out to shops, he would have to print a lot less, and so the cost of p- printing would be much higher. Right. Um, but at least like there's a possibility of that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, with image, not so much. And that's something that was brought up here. I think Fred specifically said, uh, you know, their priority at Valiant, number one, is the comic shops. Uh, yeah. So if they cannot ship to shops, they will not be putting books out on Comixology. Uh, which right. I think I think it's a very strong statement. And, and I'm glad that companies are, like, setting that line. Um, I, I don't think it helps shops, to be honest. Uh, I I appreciate the sentiment and you know standing by comic shop partners, uh, but I I don't think ultimately that helps the shops either way um, because there's and no comics kinda, coming out. And it kind of um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like you and Travis, like speaking out about how the shops are still set in their old ways, right? Mm-hmm. Of doing things, and this is kind of like Fred coming out and saying that Valiant isn't going to do it until the shops open kind of um, enables them mm-hmm. not to go that way, I guess. Yeah. And not move forward from the nineties battle plan of comic shops to future digital or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, and I mean, I can see, both, I can see both ways. Like it's awesome that they're standing their ground, drawing the line in the sand for comic shops. That's cool. But like at one point, or at what point is the time to move on past that, though? Yes, I agree. And, uh, you know, I, I shared a tweet with uh, with you guys uh, from one of your favorite people, Ronnie, uh, yeah. Ryan Higgins. Yeah. Uh, uh, Ryan, Ryan Wynn and I did not see that because we were blocked. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I, I can't remember what shop uh, Ryan owns. Uh, the Comic Conspiracy. That's it, Comic Conspiracy. So he posted like a tweet. Yeah, just like the podcast, uh, which I used to listen to, and then I quit because I hated that other guy. But now he's gone, so maybe I'll listen again. Um, anyways, he he put in a tweet that I thought was interesting. Uh, I don't know how realistic it is, but I thought it was an interesting idea. And basically, it was something to the effect of like he would love to see Comixology and Amazon work out some deal where like. They sell their comics through the comic shop, so, yeah. the, co- the, so yeah. the comic shop gets credit, and then through that purchase, they also get a code to redeem a digital copy. So it's like it's the Comicsology storefront. So if they buy, say, X number of Venom number twelve or whatever, then they would get that many keys. Yes. For digital copies, and then they can sell those. And then on the flip side, so the comic stores would get their money up front by being able to sell those to the customers. And then if you're a physical person and you want that, then you would be allotted that credit for that book whenever it is resumed. So kind of like in the nerdy field, kind of like Microsoft volume license kind of. Yes. Uh, So I'm curious how you feel about that idea because I think it's interesting I don't know how realistic that is. I, dude, that's it, it's a cool. Oh, I can't believe I'm saying this, but it's a cool <laughs> idea. But realistically, I don't think it'll work. I mean, that's just like the government now with the left and the right, like trying to be on the same page to have a problem 
and have a solution where everybody agrees on it and then and then try to get past it once that you know go back to throwing rocks at glass houses later on yes well listen the deal that they're coming up with right now is absolutely ridiculous and i think it's the worst thing ever it's gonna ruin the economy but whatever what do i know i I just do a podcast yeah um yeah i don't think it's realistic i mean it'd be nice if comicsology were to do that Mm -hmm. Uh, however comicsology doesn't need to do that right if 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 we're to believe that the majority of comics are sold in stores then that means comicsology has a minority stake in in the market and therefore their stake doesn't really much matter in the overall scheme of things right uh so why give up the tiny percentage they may have to save the industry okay quote unquote save the industry uh and i know everything i'm about to say is probably like inflammatory okay so you can send all your hate tweets to at collect valiant uh (laughs) (laughs) because he's not here he can he can bear your your hatred uh but i don't think that's realistic it's like saying like oh mcdonald walmart just opened next to my mom and pop grocery store uh now walmart needs to give me 50 percent of their sales just because they opened next to me well the only thing the only thing that they have to gain is being the superhero and the good guy in the situation for the time being. And then everything else will go back to normal afterwards. Right. Right. Which is also crazy. Yeah. Which is also crazy. Uh, Dewan just messaged. He said he was finishing up bloodshot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so he is forgiven. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's kind of crazy, man. It's like, um, you know, this is kind of tangential, really. Uh, but now I'm seeing a lot of retailers offering a lot of bonuses and, like, extra X amount of dollars per hour uh, for people to work. Because, like, you know, everybody's getting laid off, so mm-hmm. all the retailers are hiring, like, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people. Uh, like, all the meal delivery services are hundred, hiring, like, 100,000 people, 500,000 people uh, mm-hmm. to keep up with demand. Well, you know, if this is like a short-term thing, relatively, right? Six weeks, let's say, 12 weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, what happens like after that time? Yeah, right. After that. It's like a, a debate that one of our friends and I got into that because, um, well, you are as well, is essential during this time, right? Mm-hmm. Well, if we're essential – then shouldn't we be getting like quote unquote hazard pay for it? That was their thing. And I was like, you knew when you were going into that, this field or their field that you were going to be essential at some point. So I don't, I don't look, I guess I'm different because I don't look at my job as being essential just so I can get the extra perks and hazard pay. You know what I mean? I'm going to be going to work whether this was happening or not. So, Right. And plus, like, you wouldn't think that there would be a giant epidemic and half the world would shut down for weeks right. at a time. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that, I mean, that's totally true. That's totally true. I mean, I made some comment today um, about, like, well, like, everyone gets to stay home, but as an essential worker, I'm out exposed 24-7. Yeah. yeah. Right? And, yeah. you know, when I when I signed my, my hire contract, uh, there was no clause in there, like, if a, if a viral epidemic breaks out. Uh, you're still supposed to be at work, right? Like I, I know what I signed up for, right? Like my, right. my pay basically like screws me, right? Federal mm-hmm. by federal law, I get one hour off a week, okay? Yep. So I can work yep. 170 whatever hours it is a week. Uh, yep. I, I'm okay with that, okay? Because that's not going to happen. But in a situation like this, well, now it can. Yeah. Right. Right. Uh, so that sucks. Yep. And yeah, I'm still trucking along. Right. I mean, yeah. they're they're throwing us money left and right just to keep coming to work. So like, cool. Uh, but but not everybody feels that way. Right. And right. when when you have this going on for like weeks and weeks at a time, you have like a change of demeanor in people where like you do start worrying about your family and your health and your well-being. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and you just think like, well, how much of the how much of my being essential and helping out the community is worth like my family getting sick? Correct. Yeah. Okay. Uh, granted, that's a tangent to this conversation, but I mean, it's somewhat related. Yeah. It's yeah, and you can tie it back to the whole diamond shutting down thing. 
for me, I think is a good idea for the shops Mm -hmm. because, and I know we touched on it a little bit last episode, but like if the shop is out, say 10 grand for that month's stuff and their boxes are just sitting there, well then if they're, they're non-essential, so they can't even go to their shop to approve the shipment. Right. So then those those shipments, those boxes are just in limbo now. Well, true. And then on the other side of that, even if they could go out to get them, say they snuck out during hours to go get it, then now they're sitting on ten grand worth of stuff that they couldn't even get out to customers to recoup that money. Mm-hmm. So. Yep. Well, that's true. And. I mean, I guess it just based on the geographical location of the places that are shut down. I mean, Correct. the, the entire yeah. country's not shut down either. You know what I mean? Uh, but yeah. there are like major areas like California, New York. Uh, I think Ohio just shut down. Mm-hmm. Uh, Indiana shut down today. Um, there's about six states that are shut down. Uh, but yeah. you can't just uh, oh, welcome, Duan. Hello. We're uh, <laughs> we're going through uh, economics 101 here. I'm very bad at that. <laughs> uh, we're uh, we're discussing kind of uh, the. I sent you the article too, right? Ryan's uh, idea about Comixology giving stores uh, the ability to sell like a code, and then when things come back to normal, they can get the physical copies again. Yeah, I kind of I kind of skimmed that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, that's that's basically what we're talking about. Um, I just it doesn't make sense to me. That's all I'm saying. No, and it's like – so you have – for another analogy, say, so most movie theaters across the U.S. have shut down. Right. I would say probably 80%, if not closer to 90%. But then you have – I think there's like 60 drive-ins mm-hmm. left left in the United States. But because those drive-ins aren't family-owned and they're chain-owned – that those drive-ins are shut down too, which those drive-in theaters could be making buttloads now because you're in your car, you're right. doing a, a digital scan or whatever to get your ticket. All you have to do is drive up to the drive-thru window, which my town has one, and you know there's no physical contact. Obviously, you can't get popcorn or go inside to go to the bathroom, I would say. But then you know you still get out and about, and you still get to watch the new movie. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and uh, but, that's, that's the same respect, though, right? Like, okay, so movie theaters are shut down. Does that mean that mm-hmm. now, like, Amazon has to give movie theaters a cut of their movie rentals? Right. Or, like, Google exactly. or right. Fandango or anybody else? Right. Uh, I mean, I let me let me let me set something very straight. I have there's no issue. I have no issue with shops, and I have no issue with comic book companies giving comic book shops a preference. What I have a problem with is that we're – I mean this is exactly what we're go, what's going on in Congress. They just – they're talking about this bill today, $6 trillion. $2 trillion are for people and unemployment insurance and that kind of thing. And then $4 trillion to bail out industry. Like that wasn't part of the original deal. Right. Right? Yeah. I mean why are we bailing industry out? If, if they need that much money to be bailed out, there's an inherent problem in that business. Yeah. You know what I mean? We've been right. sh- we, we, mm-hmm. the country's been shut down for like a week, and you need four trillion dollars already. Yeah, right. Yeah, I think I think that argument held true back in the uh, in, in two thousand eight, two thousand nine, when basically the the financial industry they caused the own issue, their own issue, right? And they had these toxic assets, and then they went to crap, and it took the whole economy down. And then the whole argument was why bail them out, right? Either you sink or swim, you know. You did this to yourself. You should be able to fail. And then they had a two, you know, you're too big to fail type of deal. So that that whole argument was was there, and and you can argue that all day long. This one is a healthcare crisis, right, with the virus. And I guess I'm more sympathetic to so the way the way I think they're positioning it is there. There's these are like loan bailouts where they could be forgiven and and paid back, whereas in 2008, 2009, there was kind of like, yeah, we'll bail you out, but we need an equity stake in your company until you give us our money back and then blah, 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 blah. So it's a little different in my standpoint, you know, my viewpoint, but with, with, with buying a movie online, 
you know, so I just bought it, like I said, you know, with me and my wife just watched the shot and we paid 20 bucks for it yep. on Amazon. And we were just talking about like, damn, we could have went to the movies for like in Ohio, less for less than that and watched it. So, you know, is the extra money going to who? Is it going to the theaters or is it going to Amazon? Who is it going to? Yeah, that, that's I, my whole question. I do wonder how they're going to do the breakdown because uh, when the movie's out on theaters, I think it's like an 80-20 split for the first couple of weeks. And then, like, the percentage increases in favor of the studios uh, or in favor of the theaters after a while. That's why they charge you so much for popcorn because, like, mm-hmm. the, right. the, the week the movie comes out, they're making nothing of the movie, right? It all goes yep. to the studios. Um, and then I think after like week, it's either like week five or six. I can't remember exactly. I looked it up one time. Yeah, uh, yeah I think it's week five. Yeah, week because five, right? the first the first month. Yeah. Yeah. So after week five, the majority of the income goes directly to the theater. But I mean, by week five, a lot of movies aren't even in theaters anymore. Right. Right. Or like everybody's already seen it. Yeah. So back in the day when they had a the dollar theater, did all all that money go to the dollar theater? Like when yeah. I was young in the nineties. Yeah. It just Dollar theater, so would they get fifty percent of it, seventy percent of it? Oh yeah, dude. We used to go to the, the Dollar Theater in Times Square when I was in high school. It was awesome. Damn. Hell yeah. They had Dollar Theaters in Times Square? Oh yeah, bro. Well, it was like right off of Times Square. But that's still you would think in in New York it would probably be three dollars back then. Yeah, but it was always packed because it's a dollar. Yeah. Oh yeah, man. We we just sneak Taco Bell in there with your date <laughs> in high school. Like and, we're not it, buying popcorn. Uh-huh. <laughs> And if you think about it, back then theater theaters made more money off of the movies because the movies stayed in there for what four or five months. Oh yeah, yep. like when VHS was out. Yeah, yeah, you couldn't get the VHS for like six months. Yeah, but I mean, even even the movie in the theater, period. Yep, yep, yep. You know. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um. Anyways, but like, you know, D- DJ, for example, I'm gonna shout DJ out because I think DJ's doing an awesome job on his podcast. Brightside Chat, go check it out. Agreed. Um, he's doing fantastic. He's doing daily episodes. He's, I mean, I was just on, so that's why I'm plugging it. But I do love the show. And DJ is like a totally genuine dude. Uh, so he, he deserves all the listeners he can get on that podcast. Um, you know, his co-host runs a shop, right? And and things are a little yeah. tough right now. Um, and he's also doing interviews with other shop owners and stuff like that this week. Um, for one, to like give people something to listen to and be entertained. Uh, but also to talk about some of these issues. And one thing that he's pushing very hard is supporting the local comic shop. Uh, now, I, I, I am supporting my local shop. In fact, I was browsing their store tonight. Uh, I'm going to head out this weekend and buy a crap ton of stuff. Um, but again, there, there's got to be a way for these shops to evolve. I think Travis sent out a tweet today. He had like a tweet store, man. He was like on fire. Uh, ex- exactly yeah. on this topic because Travis is a digital reader as I am mostly um, and he kind of sees things similar to how I see him uh, I think he may be uh, a little more uh, mm, mm, let's just say excited about it uh, excited not in a hell yeah burn yeah. the shops down but you know like excited right. about the, the possibility where like we can't just bail the shops out yeah right and I'll throw my three cents in there um, because I don't really – I mean I have a local shop that I've been going to since I was 12. But at this point, I only get like three comics there, right? Mm-hmm. To me, I would rather not get more – and this is a total hashtag unpopular opinion, I'm sure. But I would rather spend what I was going to spend at the shop now than to get commissions from artists or talk to the writers who um, have con backstock because of this and just order that stuff straight from them to help mm. them out. Yeah. Instead of throwing two, three hundred dollars into a shop. Hmm. But 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 we're we're like mature collectors, right? So we've been collecting for thirty years now. I don't know if I'm mature. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you're not. <laughs> Trying to, trying to give you some credibility here on the podcast. Just roll with it here. Thank you. Thank um, you. But, but you know, what was our introduction in the comics? And even today, a lot of the, our introduction is going to the shop and seeing it and having that experience. It, maybe you could speak more to it, uh, you know, Martin. And you, Ronnie, you know, you, you guys have younger kids or 
Ronnie got older kids who are like 50, but, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, you take them to the comic shop and it's that experience. And then as you mature through it, then you go say, I'm going to do digital or I, I found my artists and creators who I like. And, you know, I'd rather spend that money with them, but you have to have that gateway. And that's my whole point is that gateway, the comic shop. So should we support your LCSs so that the next generation of comic readers and supporters can, can enter in, into the comic industry? So I don't want to deflate your argument, but I was not introduced to comics through a comic shop. What happened? You you went to a bodega, right, or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. A little Korean bodega. That's a comic shop. <laughs> <laughs> Back then, that was the comic shop. It's like the drugstore when I grew up. It was the drugstore. Wal- it wasn't Walgreens. It was a mom and pop drugstore sure. on the spinner rack. That's a comic shop. Yeah, I mean, this is a little. Uh, I mean, they they served like breakfast sandwiches and they had magazines and coffee and stuff like that. Cigarettes. And uh, I mean, I didn't smoke when I was eight years old, but you lie, you lie. You smoke candy cigarettes. Mm-hmm. I did. Gateway, just I like did. in comics. You know, they banned those because that was a gateway drug. That candy. Yeah. It was. Yeah. Uh, but that's that's how I found comics purely by accident. I'll uh, play devil's advocate here, though, because I did find it through, like I said, my the comic shop that I still go to, but having older kids. Like for Austin, for example, like he'll go, but he would more or much rather, I think, do the digital thing because that's what kids his age do now is all about digital and stuff. Unless he goes to a con and then I would say, you know, he picks up things from creators that he likes. Mm-hmm. So now go ahead. Go ahead. Finish go ahead. Story. No, go ahead. So my my youngest, uh, I got into comics Except she doesn't really care to go to the comic store. Uh, I mean, we'll go, and she might pick something up, uh, but usually it's not anything that she's like looking for. Um, but a lot of times, she what she reads is webtoons. Like yep, she, exactly. she she reads everything on webtoons. Mm. Um, there are not enough comics on webtoons for her, and but mm. she she doesn't care about the comic book experience. And and I don't think it's like a male female thing because there's plenty of women that go to comic shops. Um, I think it's just the way that the current generation is right. They don't particularly care too much for the, the face-to-face interaction. Um, and I, I can as- only assume that that might get worse with uh, everybody being quarantined. Right. We're like, maybe we get to a point where like, nobody really cares to go outside. We'll be like Wally going around right. in our robotic wheelchairs. Um, but like, it seems to me like that would just exacerbate that situation. We're like, they already don't have the physical contact. Like they're always talking to each other via text or, whatever snapchat or anything else um but the face-to-face is not that important um and and, i mean i will say i know that means a lot to a lot of people but when i go to a comic shop like that's not why i go to a comic shop right if i go to a comic shop it's because there's a certain cover that i want or a certain back issue of something that i want that i don't have and and that's about it like i don't want to go there and like hey what else can i pick up like hey do you have this like i'm perfectly happy just going in the back diving through boxes uh, not talking to anybody. Like I just want to go and get my stuff, pay, and go home. Right. Yeah, and I think maybe now that you say that, maybe my comments are coming from a collector standpoint, where yeah. going into a shop means something. But well, I'm not saying just... I'm not downplaying and saying that going into a shop doesn't mean something. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying, like, so think of it like this: all three of us went to C2E2 last year, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Say, say it was this year. And we went to, and we wanted to get, I don't know, we'll say something. Say, say the new uh, Punk Mambo trade paperback was out, right? But I ain't had their booth. And, and then Colin had his table in Artist Alley, right? Mm-hmm. Where would you go to buy that Punk Mambo trade? Would you go to Colin's table so he gets the money? Or would you go to the Valiant table? Well, you got to Colin's I- table. Yeah, exactly. Even if I had to pay five bucks more. And well, see, and that's and that's what I'm saying is like that's where my statement comes from. As the shops are going to have those people if they survive this outbreak, anyways. But we still need those creators, whoever. Then I would rather dump my two three hundred dollars into the artist and get commissions or trades and hardcovers that I haven't got that way than. Than into the shop. Hmm. Well, and I'm thinking, 
if comics comic shops lcs's if they fold you still have all this inventory out there right mm-hmm. and there's still a demand so how does this spider off it does a spider off to where you kind of have like one company that buys them all up or like you know mid-sized companies that buy them up and then they get bought up by bigger companies to where you kind of have like a half price books that kind of control the back issue market for like collectors and people who still like physical copies or whatnot like how does this go because there's still going to be a demand there and people are willing to pay for these books um so you know comic book shops have been folding and, and opening left and right throughout the years you know even through the 90s a lot of them folded but there's still a market there and new companies will open up. So where are we going to go? Is this just a, another blimp in the timeline or is this going to be something that that totally transform the the mom and pop comic shop industry? I think ultimately that depends on the reaction of publishers. And from what I've seen so far, the reaction is that once comics can be put out again, we're going to go back to doing the same thing we were doing before. And and I think ultimately that is exactly the problem. Um, you know, comics have been bleeding customers for years. And and sometimes the sales numbers don't show that. Uh, and I think the reason for that is, uh, what is it, like the golden rule, I think is what it's called? Uh, where like 20, 20% of your producers produce 80% of your profits. Uh, yep. It's the same thing with comics, where you have... The 20% that's like you, Duan, that are going after the gold books and the rare books and the high ratio books. And as a result, you're, you're feeding a higher purchase order from the publisher where a lot of those books go unsold. And you're kind of incentivizing the shops to get these books. And so it inflates the numbers that are being put out by publishers. Uh, I've been saying for years, the only way that these sales numbers that come out make any sense is if you have a sell-through number. And and I think right. the reason why Comixology shows such a, a smaller market percentage than other places uh, is not because they sell less. It's because they give you real numbers. So l- let me ask you this. So Comixology, so books are normally three ninety nine, right? Yes. So if you... you Martin, you get books through Comixology. So do they give you a discount if you pre-order books or is it just $3.99? So if you're a Prime member or yeah. if you have Comixology Unlimited, you get, uh, I think it's 10 or 15% off. It's not bad because my LCS, I get a physical copy if I pre-order and it's 20% off. Right. So that's a win-win for me. Right. Or you could do like you DCBS know. and get, you know, 20, 30, 50% off. Yeah, but... Yeah. But I'm not supporting the LCS. Like I like Jeff. Sure. Uh, no, absolutely, absolutely. I'm just I'm talking about percentages, right? Yeah. Um, but that's but still you, not bad, you know. Not and, bad at all. And that applies to anything. So I can get any trade and I still get that discount. Right. Yeah. Right. Now granted I don't have the physical copy in front of me and and I'm not gonna deny that like that's a thing. Because I do still get comics and I love holding them and smelling them. Uh but like the majority of the time, like that's not. I just want to read the comics. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So no, I, don't, I don't care I, how I, I read them. Let me, and let me tell you, like it's ninety nine percent of the time, the books that I buy, I don't read them physically. Period. Right. You put them in I'll a box read them and you digitally. read. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll read them digitally, one way or another. Like sometimes I buy most of the books twice because mm-hmm. I want to read them digitally. It's easier, right? So I know where you're coming from. Like it's totally easier to sit there on your lunch break and skim through like some some of our United Postal Service people that we know <laughs> in this podcast <laughs> on the, who on their lunch break or may at work read their books. But yeah, I mean it's just easier. It's cleaner. It's easier. Or like we talked about, Ronnie. You know, you go to your favorite wing spot after a, a long day and you just skim through the book and you read it. It's easier, right? You know, you're not damaging the not- book. I'm just good. Yeah, I was gonna say you're not getting Asia Zing sauce on the go. on the pa- hey. on the pages. You know, you're you can put that on the iPad and wipe it off later. Yeah, that's what she said. So <laughs> <laughs> exactly, that's the whole point. That is the whole point. But I still have this little boy in me who collected baseball cards, who collected comics, who loves to just go through 
my long boxes and just say, holy crap. You know, I got this book. Like when we were at C2E2, like yeah. Travis and I had a ball going through a couple of vendors booths and just buying old school physical stuff, you know, and after you have a couple of beverages in you, as Martin would know <laughs> from the previous year, it's fun. Mm-hmm. It's fun oh, to buy. It is fun. Book. It's like literally fun. So it may not be sustainable for, you know, you know, LCSs or whatnot, but it is totally fun to go to conventions or go to your LCS and find gold nuggets and, and hang out with your friends and geek out over certain books, you know, and yeah. I, I just don't know how the future is. And you guys are probably right, you know, the, on the future of comics, but I still love getting the physical books. I just do. I, I get that, yeah. dude. But think about it in, in 50 years. Okay. Like you're probably yeah. not going to be able to get up and go to the comic shop and do that. Right. And I'll and, be done. Yeah, that's what I mean. 50. Yeah, <laughs> and, done. and by that point, My, how many collectors will they be to sustain to sustain comic shops? Right, like my daughter make... sells my books. I'm gonna be mad. Well, she might do that. But she, she might <laughs> wait until you're gone. Yeah, she. Uh, yeah, Fifty years, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> but you see what I mean? Like my kids, yeah. like when they're my age, they're not gonna be going to the comic shop and doing that. No. Okay. The majority of people are not gonna be doing that. Uh, now, granted, this is not like a scientific experiment, but I've done several polls over the years. And and the majority of people that reply to my poll about like how many comics do you buy in a month, I mean like eighty percent is like three to five. Yeah. Well you're right. You're right. It was just an experience as a kid. It that's what it was and we're we're holding on we're like the old people. Well, even as an adult though, like even though I wasn't after single issues, like hardcovers are my sweet spot right now. Mm-hmm. And most of the time I try to save up until I go to the the two cons that I go to and then, you know, blow it out from there unless, you know, Jay sends me a eBay tweet or, you know, something like that. And then, or, but like, instead of searching for those single issues, like the hardcovers are what I'm loving right now. Could that be the sweet spot? You know, trades and hardcovers. I mean, if you look at a lot of publishers, they put a lot of stock on trade paperbacks because they can sell those to Scholastic, and kids will buy those up at the book fair. Yep. But Daddy just said hardcovers, not trade paperbacks. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's the more senior. You yeah. got to start them off on the on the trade paperback, right. and they're yeah. easy to pass. Like, so you know, you hear old people that that say like, like our parents or grandparents were like, oh, I wish I held on to that. You know, Amazing Fantasy 15, we just pass it around. You know, a trade is easier to pass around, mm-hmm. you know, than, than a floppy. Or it is, it's, it's, you could keep it easier, you know, on yourself or whatever. It doesn't take up as much room. So, especially a hardcover. I love hardcovers. You get the whole damn story and you can just read it right then and there. Dude, I've yeah, talked to my like- dad before about that exact thing. Like, the, the amount of money I would have right now if my dad had kept his comics. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you'll be surprised how many people give you comics. Like my one buddy, he read comics and he has like some really expensive comics that he just threw in a box and they're sitting in my garage. And I'm like, damn, they're not in great shape. They're readers, maybe slightly better than readers. I'm like, if you would just took care of this, man, you could have bought your house. Mm-hmm. Like these are these are like like 1969 books, like Teen Titan books. But they don't care. They're just sitting in my garage. If anybody wants them, <laughs> talk to my agent, Ron Bar three sixteen. Get them real, really cheap. I'm you just be- saying. You better give him his twenty three cent commission. Yeah. Damn it, that's I gotta give my money one way because Mark's not giving. Me- <laughs> <laughs> hey, Greg. Greg took your paycheck last week, so there you go. Congratulations, Greg. Did you congratulate him? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you missed that part. All right. Yep, well, we congratulated him. Sorry, buddy. It's okay. It was for a good cause. There you go. We're, we're the bad ones. Everyone's doing a bloodshot watch party right now, and we're, we're podcasting. We're doing the Lord's work. Well, that's why I was late. I was doing the watch party. <laughs> oh, is it over? Is the, is the watch no, party it's over? still on. Oh, it's still on? Okay. That's okay. I'll do well, a no, late, late I night watch party. On, I ordered it on Amazon. Me and the wife watched it again. Mm-hmm. It was awesome. I liked it. The action scenes are great. Like the if you didn't like the great. action scenes, then you're 
I can understand you not liking the storyline or something, but if you don't like the action scenes, we need to talk over a beer. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so how does this come about then? When when comics are back, are we gonna get like all these new books back to back? I don't think that's been discussed, right? Has that been clarified? No, no, I don't I think, think it'd so. be a bad decision if you did that because I mean. You know, when I go to my LCS, I kind of know the range of how much I'm spending every week or Mm -hmm. if I pick them up every three weeks. If it triples, you know, every week, that's a bad thing. You know, you're screwing up people's budgets and and people are already coming off of being unemployed or, you know, working from home or being furloughed to just inundate people like that. It's not a good you're going to have to set back your timeline a little bit. You know, if something you planned on coming out in February of next year, you're going to have to put push it to June. You're just going to have to push your timeline back. Yep. I, I, that's what I think. Yeah, I agree, man. I mean, there's a lot of people on a budget as it is, right, before all this crap going on. Yeah. Uh, like I said, the majority of people that reply, they always tell me three to five. Like, very few people read more than ten. So, mm-hmm. what, are they, what are those people going to do if, like, all these books come out, like, I don't know, double shipment for like three or four weeks to make up for the lost time. Uh, those those books are going to just sit on the shelf. And the LCS will get hammered. Yep. Especially with Marvel and DC, the amount they put out. Jeez. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that'd be, they can't do that. It'd be haymaker after haymaker after haymaker. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's like a bar fight. Yeah, I don't think, uh, I don't think February numbers came out yet, but I saw like preliminary figures and they were down already. So I can only imagine what it's going to be like for March. Yeah. March March and April is pretty much canceled. Twenty twenty is canceled. You think they'll just give them out free digitally and they just keep their timeline? No. Nope. Say hey, that's a loss. Nope. No. Okay. No, they're not going to do that. I mean, I'm telling you, man. Ultimately, it goes back to doing the same thing like we've always been doing. Mm-hmm. You know, there's got, there's got to be a way for this business to evolve and and still have comic shops around, right? Whether that means comic-, less comic shops or not, like that's a different story. They need lobbyists, man. <laughs> I mean, yeah. everybody else is lining up for a bailout. They need a lobbyist. Yeah. Does this $4 trillion include comic shops and creators? Nope. It needs to. Just saying. Yeah, I think the $2 trillion is for uh, small business. Mm, I got small business. Yeah? The clubhouse? Yes. Nope. <laughs> C2E2 C2 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 Incorporated. <laughs> <laughs> And we're hurting right now. Magic, though, Incorporated. Mm-hmm. Glitter. <laughs> Glitter, though. Uh, I have one final thing I wanted to discuss from this article, uh, because this was news to me. Hey, Duan, who, yes, who owns Valiant Comics? Ronnie. <laughs> <laughs> Ronnie, do you know who owns Valiant? DMG. Okay. According to this article, this is not true. Really? So one of the final questions on here says, it's widely believed you have Chinese investors, though. To clarify, DMG Entertainment, which owns Valiant, has significant business ties in China. And Fred's response is no. We have one investor, Dan, who's been involved with the company for five or six years. Dan is the primary investor with the previous administration, and he loved the company so much he decided to acquire it. The supply chain in China has uh, as much to do with us as it does with you. We don't sell in China. It's not an issue for us. If everybody just learns that we're not owned by a Chinese company, it'll be great. What? Huh. Why wouldn't they promote that before? So what does DMG just own the movie rights or? I guess. Oh, all right. I mean, hasn't this been like a thing for years? Yeah, like, since since the big takeover or whatever, you the changing of the guard or whatever. Ronnie, like that's what people were flipping out about. Is this a Mandela effect? Could be. It could be. <laughs> is he playing both sides? Like does he is he invested in DMG and you know, his own company that owns a portion of, or does he just own the physical Valiant copies? Like the public, well, Pierce owns the publishing, right? Right. Yeah, that that was a little unclear to me. Uh, so I'm going to, I'm going to ask for some clarification on this as well. Uh, Cause I think we always, everybody assumed that. And I don't, I've never heard otherwise. Dude, if this would have came out a year and a half ago, a lot of stuff would have been different. Like the backlash <laughs> part of it. Yeah. There's a lot of things that wouldn't have been said by people. Yeah, I don't know. Well, that... You remember? Go I'm ahead. Sorry. No, no, go ahead. You remember when we, you know, C two E two last year, not this past year, but the, the year before when we went. Fred was very vocal, wasn't he? 
Fred wasn't there last year. No, the well, no, Fred was Fred, there two two years ago. Two years ago, right when DMG bought Valiant, that was two years ago. Okay, you remember Fred was very like vocal. Yeah, like, Mel was up there trying to yeah. feel his way through the mm-hmm. questions, and Fred was like very vocal, like he he knew more than anybody else. So and if it, if Fred said that, then I'm likely to believe you. Yeah, I mean, I also believe. Yeah, it. that was two years ago because that was when they had the suicide table with Adam. Right. <laughs> uh, yes. Well, will we have a suicide table if people didn't think that DMG was the owner? I don't know. Well, remember, because that, that was like the big, they had the sit down table with Adam and Mel. Oh, yeah, yeah, at the booth, right? At the booth, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, that's right, that's right. Yeah. That's right. And so, like, if, if, like, whoever sat down with them, if these words would have just came out of their mouth, then. Like it could have all just went away. I mean, I so remember why, all the headlines saying DM Entertainment, DMG Entertainment purchased Valley Comics. That, man, that, that, I'm gonna those look, were the headlines. When we are done. I'm looking up and seeing if this is not a Mandela effect or not. <laughs> Something's not right there. Something's not right. <laughs> because it was the whole thing. Like the DMG guy, the head of DMG was just like, you know, we're just. We're not going to really put any more money into the publishing side. And then Fred was like, no, they've said we, right. how much money right. do you need? Exactly. You know, we, you know, they're, they're going to basically throw in all the money they can at the publishing side. So that, that's what was confusing. Yeah. Remember they had that press conference in Hong Kong. Like there were those sweet bloodshot comics that I wanted, but they were in, yep. in Chinese. Yep. Uh, I'm on the James West side right now dmg-entertainment.com slash ip-universe slash valiant-comics. The relationship between DMG and Valiant Comics began in 2015 with the acquisition of a minority share of the comic company. In January 2018, DMG Entertainment assumed full managerial control of the publisher's vast library. Managerial. So they said minority stake, but are they like uh, the the manager of it, the day-to-day management of it? So does Dan still own a majority stake? I mean, the only thing I can think of, I mean, this page is still up. This is a DMG page. Okay. My my assumption would be that maybe Dan split from DMG and it was his deal, so he he kept going with it. That's my only assumption. But I'm so like I'm, DMG's like the property manager, right? Well, They're, maybe. Like if you own an apartment, man, you own an apartment building, like you got a property manager. Maybe, Somebody but Somebody still owns it. But not according to the quote. I don't know. Unless, don't sound right to unless me. somehow Dan's DMG is different than the Chinese DMG. See, Sounds racial. Yeah, we need a business analyst here. <laughs> hey, I took a business a, person. I, I took a semester of business. I can play. A, I can play a business analyst on a podcast. <laughs> I, I don't think that's your major, though. No, no. <laughs> My major is English, so that's what I that's what I do. I speak English. Yeah, we need, we need somebody like Dennis. Dennis will he'll he'll be able to filter it all out. Sure. So I'm I'm gonna I get know. some clarification on this because now I'm very confused. Good. I would I would like for you to clear up these muddy waters for me too. <laughs> uh, if anybody remembers this differently, please get in touch with us at Valley underscore Central. Uh, I'm very curious. Uh, but I'll, I'll get clarification from uh, from Valiant directly, uh, and I'm gonna I'm gonna try to get a statement uh, as to how, how this relates to fans, uh, really. Um, and I'm still curious how this relates to creators. So, yep. we'll uh, we'll discuss that next time, maybe, yeah. uh, unless unless we get canceled for our unpopular opinions. Yeah, well. What else is new, right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> all of a sudden, we get hate tweets. Oh. <laughs> That'll be a new thing. I, I got a hate tweet today. I saw that. I saw yeah. that. I wish I remember what it was. Something – what was it? What kind of service you am handled, I providing? <laughs> you handled it well. I, yeah, I tried, You did man. handle it well. Do you feel like you're doing some sort of service here? Ah, there you go. Yes, I But am. the response tweet was pretty good that that person sent. I didn't think you – did you see what that person said back to you after that? No, I missed that. Oh. Yeah, look at it. It, it wasn't too bad. Oh, okay. All right. I thought it was funny. That's why I, I try to be uh, very nice when I replied to his, his tweet. Mm-hmm. Uh, you did I, a good job. I wasn't sure what he was trying to imply. So, you know, we got to worry about this sometimes. You know, back when this podcast first started, everyone thought we worked for Valiant. We do. 
<laughs> you don't know? Damn it, Duan. Why don't you tell me these things? Hey, man, I get a dollar twenty-five every week. What? Yeah, royalties. No wonder I don't have to pay you. Say nice things <laughs> about them. Just say nice things about them. <laughs> man, it's hard out here, man. People laid off. You need that dollar twenty-five. Hey, that's true. That's mm-hmm. true. Yeah, we used to get those all the time. Like, Paul would get them and be like, what's the deal? I'm like, I don't know. And as I was to be like, well, listen, we don't work for Valiant, but, like, we can find out. When yeah. you get that 1099, you know you work for them. Hey, there you go. Hey. There you go. You don't got to file until July 15th now, though. Uh, hey. By then, there'll be no economy. We'll be all right. <laughs> we'll just get a bailout. There you go. <laughs> Are they gonna bail out podcasts? We need a podcast bailout. Yeah, we do need a podcast bailout. It's a big business right now. Hell yeah! Yeah, yeah. We make hundreds, hundreds of pennies. You know, <laughs> hundreds of pennies a decade. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, we get paid in in review copies. <laughs> right. Yeah. All the review copies are yours. Uh, anyways, anything else on this uh, this article? Nope. Uh, I think I'm all right for now. Yeah, yeah we'll see. Uh, you know, I, I did have a couple of conversations off the record with a couple of creators um, that aren't very thrilled with the response. Mm-hmm. Same. So, same. So I just want to throw that out there. Uh, I think that's that's very fair. And and again, I think ultimately it goes back to the same problem, like. We can't just continue bailing out shops. There's got to be a better way to do this whole thing. Uh, and I think when we start putting the creators first, uh, that might end up working out for the best. Yeah. Okay. And I'm I'm no expert. None of us are experts. We don't work in the in comics, so we have no idea about the ins and outs of how things work. Uh, I'm just talking about doing the right thing. Uh, because without those people, the comics would not be out. And I know folks at Valiant listen to this podcast. Uh, so they can take that as they will. Uh, I think, uh, you know, Greg always knows we don't have any problem speaking our minds on the show. Uh, so to go back to the point about <laughs> us working for Valiant, uh, if that were the case, we'd always be uh, extremely positive and supportive of every decision. And obviously that's not the case. Uh, we try to be honest because people that listen to the show listen because they respect the honesty. Uh, and those people sometimes get confused and we try to come up with some answer even if it's complete garbage. That's why I came on for the negativity. You guys were getting too positive. And I was like, this has got to stop. Oh, we should have and had Aaron did. Bell on then. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, we weren't going down that negative, but. <laughs> and I, I want people to know I do work for Valiant. I do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, send all your hate mail to at Collect Valiant. Okay. <laughs> I'm a happy employee. <laughs> well, good. Then you're fired. It's a conflict of interest. Damn it. Mm-hmm. It's the second job I got fired this week. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Anyways, I hope everyone bought their uh, copy of Bloodshot. Uh, we all did. It seems like a lot of people did. So uh, I'm excited to watch it. I'm going to go watch it right now. Me too. R- <laughs> Ronnie's been watching it for like six hours. It's been on uh, constant replay. <laughs> now, Martin, are you watching it with your with your daughters or in the wife? Uh, tonight, just by myself because everyone's asleep. But uh, I'm gonna rewatch it again this weekend, and uh, I'm gonna try to get the wife to watch it. We'll see. Uh, but definitely right. with the kids. Are the kids Are the kids in school or are they shut down? No, they're shut down. Okay, wake yeah. them up. Yeah, it's, no. it's like Christmas. <laughs> well, they're still doing schoolwork. They're uh, they're doing online classes. Uh... Okay, yeah, let them sleep. Yeah, it's stressing them the hell out, though. It's different. Yeah. Well, now they know what it was like when we grew up. Candlelights, you know, <laughs> Honey Nut Cheerios, you know. Yeah, we couldn't go on Wikipedia and look anything up. No. Yeah. Well, we, we had to go to the Encyclopedia, Encyclopedia Britannica. <laughs> <laughs> or ask somebody. Yeah. What is this? I don't know. I don't know. We had a it is what it is. <laughs> Welcome to the uh, Get Off My Lawn Old Man Podcast. Ah, <laughs> 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 uh, Jesus. Uh, we'll uh, we'll return uh, with another episode. Uh, I don't know if this week, maybe next week. Uh, I definitely want to talk about EXO with you guys. 
Uh, so we'll do that on the podcast. And then by that point, we'll have uh, some kind of reply for Valiant. So maybe we can discuss that as well. And uh, I think that's it. We're going to be doing a, a super episode with uh, the Get Valiant folks and Valiant Watch and only the Valiant. Who am I missing? There's another one. VCR. I, VCR. Well, isn't like that one thing, OTV VCR? I thought it was two separate things. Oh, are, they, are they both going to be on? Okay. Anyways, every Valiant podcast is going to be on this thing. That's what I know. Collect, collect Valiant? That's you. Is that still a podcast? No. no. That's, been, that's been archived forever. <laughs> you should know. That was your podcast. <laughs> hey, I'm still representing. <laughs> Anyways, we're going to have this big thing uh, Wednesday. I think those guys live stream on YouTube, so you can watch it there. Uh, there will be audio versions available later on. So that's going to be it. Send us all your hate mail on Twitter. Dewan is at Collect Valiant. Travis at the Great Magnet. Ronnie's at Rumba 316. I'm a Geek Vine. Man, this intro or the outro is getting longer every week. Whew, I'm running out of breath. We're going to have to have like 10 co hosts next time. <laughs> uh, the show is at Valley Uns for Central. Thank you for listening. See you in the next one.